I'm uh, quite a, a fan of um, Bernard Cornwell. Anybody else enjoy his, his novels? And they were te televised recently, were the, the Uta, Uta uh, series. And one of the things that stood out about that for me was the fact that he kept his word. He had sworn an oath of fealty to King Arthur. And that was totally binding. Even though there were wanted to drag him off in different directions. He had sworn that oath that he would be loyal to King Arthur. Not to King Arthur, to Alfred, sorry. To King Alfred. And uh, he stuck to it. An oath of fealty. I think we've got a picture, have we? That's the text. There's a picture of somebody swearing an oath of fealty. For in the Middle Ages, feudalism was based on the exchange of land for military service. And King William the Conqueror used the concept of feudalism to reward his Norman supporters. And he dished out land, didn't he, to all and sundry. His vassals, they were called. And he was thankful for their help in conquering England. He came over for the bank holiday in 1066, as you know, and liked the look of the place and decided to stay. Um, and the rest is history. <laughs> but there was a ceremony which they had. It was called a commendation ceremony. And it was designed to create a lasting bond between a vassal and his lord. One that could never, ever be broken. There's another picture, I think. And what happened was the promise of faithful servant to the Lord was called this oath of fealty. And to take this oath was a very solemn proceeding. It was an appeal to God by which a man called down on himself divine punishment if he swore falsely. And the words spoken in the oath of fealty were something like this. The oath of fealty was sworn during a solemn ceremony necessitating an act of homage. The vassal would appear before the Lord, bareheaded and without weapons. The vassal would then kneel before the Lord, clasping his hands in prayer, and he would stretch out towards his Lord. The position signified total submission. And the vassal then swore the oath of fealty. I promise on my faith that I will in the future be faithful to the Lord, never cause him harm, and will observe my homage to him completely against all persons in good faith and without deceit. And then the vassal would take the hand, the Lord would take the hands of the vassal, as we have there, and announce his acceptance. Can we flip back to the text, please, Josie? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But before that, it says this is a word of faith. So this is done by faith. What does it mean to say Jesus is Lord. And I referred back to that hymn, Jesus is Lord. What's the next line? Creation voice proclaims it. But that's not true. 
The scripture tells us that we can only proclaim Jesus is Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. Creation's voice proclaims that there is a creator God, a wonderful God. On a day like today, we can accept that. But it doesn't proclaim Jesus is Lord. That is done by us through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lovely passage in, in one of my favorite passages, stories in the Bible, is how the Ethiopian eunuch, on his way back, meets Philip. And he's reading from the passage in Isaiah. And Philip says to him, do you know what you're reading? He said, no, I don't understand it. But then he explains it to him. And the Ethiopian says, I want part of this. I want to be baptized. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered this. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, often we equate that passage with this one, but they're not quite the same, are they? Paul is not talking about exactly the same thing. There is a difference. What's the point? The point is that to confess Jesus as the Christ, we believe, as the Ethiopian did, reading the text from Isaiah, that Jesus was in fact the promised Messiah from the line of David. The Jews looking forward to that time when Israel would be restored, foreign powers would be expelled, and they would have their own king after David. And this is foretold in the prophets, and that's what the Ethiopian read. And he came to the conclusion, as Philip has had explained to him, that Jesus was the Messiah. And the Greek for Messiah, of course, is Christ. Nowhere in that story does it talk about Jesus being Lord. He accepts him as the Messiah. And it's necessary to believe and be willing to believe, uh, confess this belief, but it's not the same thing as confessing that Jesus is Lord. Example, at Pentecost, when Peter is giving his sermon, he says, God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He was saying to Jesus is two different things. He is Lord to those who confess that he is Lord, but he is also Christ. He is the Messiah. And we can come to the conclusion that Jesus, yeah, he is the Son of God. And it's entirely possible to confess one's belief in Jesus as the Christ or the Messiah without confessing him as Lord. It is perfectly possible for us to stand up and say or sing the creed without accepting Jesus as Lord. It's a statement of belief, a statement of fact, if you like. There is a difference. To confess Jesus as Christ is to state that we believe he is who he claimed to be, the Son of God, the Redeemer. And we do this in the need to be saved. In theological terms, this is called salvation. 
We are saved by what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we can confess that he is our saviour. But it's still not the same thing as saying Jesus is Lord. Because Jesus Lord is part of the second thing, which is sanctification, being made holy, being made more like Jesus, submitting to his will. And the early disciples would never uh, have disturbed the Roman authorities for confessing that Jesus was Messiah, because the Bible tells us that loads of people came saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm he. And usually the Romans said, oh yeah, another one. But Jesus was different. But what they wouldn't tolerate was anybody saying that Jesus is Lord. Because there was only one Lord, and that was Caesar. I think Lee talked about that um, a few months ago, didn't he, if you were here then? Or what actually that meant to challenge Caesar's authority. Their allegiance, first and foremost, must be to Rome. Total submission. And along come these Christians and say, no, Caesar is not our Lord. We will not submit to him in all things. Because we submit to a higher authority. We submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. So, practically speaking, what all is it? What it all is involved in? What's involved in confessing Jesus as Lord? Well, obviously, the first thing involved is speaking our acceptance of His lordship. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and this is sometimes something that we, as Christians, have problems with, that connecting this to this. Because one thing, and this tells us another, doesn't it, sometimes? Which do we follow? Do we follow our God-given logic and mental ability to reason things out? Or do we follow our hearts? It's both, isn't it? But our hearts, our heads, have to submit to our hearts and our hearts to our heads. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, well, it doesn't end there, does it? Jesus really doesn't want us to make a confession. Can we have the slide six, please? Unless we mean it. He said, didn't he? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. As everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Going back to the William the Conquerors and the um, King Alfreds. That word was binding. That oath of fealty was binding. And it couldn't be broken until you were released from it by the Lord. And Jesus is pointing out there's lots of people going around calling me Lord, Lord, but they don't mean it. How do we know they don't mean it? Because by their fruits you shall know them. 
if our lives do not measure up, if our lives don't submit to Jesus as Lord, if our deeds don't match our words, what does it say in Colossians? And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. To confess Jesus' lordship with our mouths while not submitting our lives to him is hypocrisy. If he's truly our Lord, then he controls both our words and our deeds. I came across this. Next slide, please. I don't know whether you can see it. Ye call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me way and follow me not. You call me life and desire me not. You call me wise and acknowledge me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. What about the Lord's commandments? There's simply no other authority in the church than that of Jesus as Lord. Jesus said this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And later, he's put all things in subjector under his feet and gave him as head over all things in the church. It's not easy. It's incredibly hard. Obeying the Lord means doing something difficult. We might be forced to risk speaking out, to confront sin, even to forego personal liberty for the cause of Christ. Our discipleship may lead us into undesirable confrontation. We may be on a collision course with the values of the world and its false standards. We might have to struggle forgiving someone who has deeply hurt us, finding that way when we would prefer to get even with them. We might need to change our focus and be more careful not to let our worldly ambitions to get in the way of the kingdom in our lives. Simply accepting Jesus' lordship means that we are willing to submit our wills and wants to his and put his kingdom first. There's a story of a, a young lad shortly after joining the Navy. And he goes to his officer for a pass out. And the officer says, well, what do you want the pass for? He said, um, I want to attend a wedding. 
and the officer gave him the pass, but informed the young man that he'd have to be back by 7 o'clock on Sunday evening. You don't understand, sir, he said. I'm in the wedding. No, said the officer, you don't understand. You're in the Navy. Jesus made a statement to Peter that he didn't want to hear when he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. What will it profit someone if they gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus, Peter said no to Jesus. And that's something you don't say. And he came to the point where he had to realize that he was out of line and submit to Jesus' authority. I want to show you a video clip. These programs are on the television. And they started with that bloke with the Philly Crufts. What's his name? Oh, we are starting. Can we turn up the volume? Oh, my God. Wow. Bit more. What have we done? I don't like the tapestries, I don't like the red ceiling. What about you? You've got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. No. Does this make you think that perhaps um, Kelly's feature wall was actually not that vibrant and bold after yeah, all? Yeah, maybe it was quite safe. Mm. At least I only had one wall. Yeah. This is just... sort of every wall, isn't it? You know the two designers are yeah. going to be back to do a joint room. Mm. I need to relay your messages back to them. OK. Anything you want to say? Yeah, I think I'd like uh, Nick to take control, maybe Kirsty locked in the cupboard. <laughs> right, OK. This is colour overload, I think, definitely. This, the red and all the tapestry on the wall is way too much. <laughs> What's the point? of that video clip. Well, I want to finish by quoting from C.S. Lewis. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew these jobs needed to be done, so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in ways that hurts abominably. And it doesn't seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting in an extra floor there, running up towers and making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. Just bow our heads.
Father, there are many times when we accept you as saviour but forget that you are Lord as well. Our lives are often out of order and we put ourselves first and think of you last. We invite you to come and sort out our electrics and our drains, the obvious things, but we also invite you to come and rebuild us and change our rooms. I'm going to use the words of the confession. You may be, you're familiar with them. Join in if you, if you are. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're going to have a time of some response now.